Welcome to the GTFO podcast. This is Holly Kaplan. For those of you who don't know, GTFO means get the F out. In this podcast, we will be discussing how to get the F out. How to get the F out of a bad situation, predicament, or something you want to flat change. I'll be interviewing individuals who have had to GTFO. Expect to hear stories of those who experience situations of despair, pain, and fear. And the only way to escape it was to GTFO. Through this podcast, I want to give you, the listeners, the power and courage to make life changes should you need to GTFO. Human trafficking. We're going to talk about human trafficking today. I did a lot of research on this topic before this podcast because I don't think we hear about human trafficking enough. So I looked up the definition of human trafficking. Here is the short version. It is the recruitment and transfer of humans by improper means using force, abduction, or fraud. Human trafficking has a lot of dark corners. Those corners include forced marriage, organ removal, domestic servitude, and sex trade. And that's just to name a few. The list was actually longer. According to Business Insider in 2019, it was estimated that 18,000 to 20,000 people were victims of human trafficking here in the United States. The most common states are Texas, great, I live here, Florida, and California. (laughs) According to the U.S. State Department, there are 24.9 million victims worldwide. So now we know how many people are involved in human trafficking. I then looked up how many people have escaped, and you know what? I couldn't find anything, no statistics whatsoever. So it led me to wonder, how how do you escape? How do you get out? How do you get out of human trafficking? Well, our guest today, Jody Parr, was able to do just that. Jody was a victim of human trafficking over 20 years ago. She kept it a secret until recently when she realized she had to tell her story. In 2018, Jody published her best-selling book, Break Out Silent Soldier. She regularly speaks on breaking your silence and moving past your fear. Jody is now an entrepreneur, certified life coach, and motivational speaker. She has a podcast titled Faith Over Fear and has a second book that is soon to be released called Breakout Silent Center. Jody, oh my gosh, thank you so much for joining me today for this conversation. Hi, Holly. Thank you so much for having me here. It's an honor. Well, I can't tell you how much I appreciate it and that I think you're so brave to tell your story because it needs to be heard. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, for 20 plus years of my life, I never thought I ever would not tell anyone. Um, I felt like it was something that I would block and bury for the rest of my life. I even tried to convince myself it didn't happen. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, whenever the floodgates opened and it was time for me to speak, I have been unstoppable since. Good for you. Good for you. The floodgates were open, right? I mean, it was time. Um, Well, before we get into the heart of things today, will you tell the audience more about you? Um, yes, absolutely. So I live in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, I, as you already told, I am a certified life coach. Um, I do a lot of like Facebook lives. I do a lot of, um, social media stuff, just helping people to have faith over fear. That is my, my big staple, uh, that, and to break out of your silence. So I've done a lot of different, um, stages and things like that, speaking out against this. And then also, as you mentioned, uh, a writer as well. Yes, good for you. It's amazing how much you've done, really. I mean, girl, you're the triple threat now. You got the books, you got the speaking, you got the podcast. It's amazing. 
Um, well, I know you're from Mississippi. Um, so I know that's kind of where your story started. So I wanted to see if you could take us back to when you were 18, where your story begins when you were in Mississippi, because you were young, you were a young girl when you were approached initially. I was. Um, so I grew up in a very Christian home. Uh, you know, we went to church every time the doors opened Sunday, Wednesday, we were always in church. And I'm very blessed that I was raised um, sheltered. Like I didn't know evil existed in the world. But as a teenager, I rebelled against that. Um, you know, my dad would always, even if we wanted to go on a date, the guy would have to come over the night before and my dad would sit there and clean his guns. <laughs> it's the truth. A true so, Southern gentleman, your dad. Yeah, it's like yeah. He, was a, he was a mountain man and a Southern gentleman at the same time, you know, and he would instill fear in anybody that took us out. And it was so embarrassing as a teenager to go through that. But um, looking back, I'm so thankful for it. But when I turned 18, I was so rebellious. And I was like, you know what? I'm 18. And I've always heard as long as until you turn 18, you're under my roof, you'll do my rules. And I was like, I'm 18. So on my 18th birthday, I walked out. And I ended up moving in with my aunt and uncle. And I was so excited about the freedom that came with that, right? Because they're not as strict as my dad is. Like right. they wouldn't, you know, and uh, helicopter me, so to say. And uh, so I moved in with my aunt and uncle. And uh, the one thing that they told me was I had to get a job. And uh, I ended up getting a, a job and I was super excited about it, you know, making my own money. And that's where I found out that there was an evil world out there and that an evil world did exist. Um, I was working one day and this guy walked in. And when I tell you this man looked like he stepped out of a GQ magazine, he was absolutely gorgeous. I mean, he was what every woman, tall, dark, handsome, uh, you know, just the look. And I remember him approaching my desk and me just being like, oh my gosh, this guy's flirting with me. I could not believe it. I was like, you know, because I'm 18, I, I felt like I was overweight. I felt like insecure, you know, and uh, this guy's flirting with me. And so he asked for my phone number and I gave it to him. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Right. And back then it was no big deal because that was before like Facebook and all that stuff. You're like, oh, you want my number? Here it is. That's what yeah, we did. Exactly. Right. Mm -hmm. There was, um, yeah. you know, there was no, no way of really searching people. There was no way of doing that kind of thing. So honestly, when I gave him my number, I didn't think he would call me. I mean, I thought he was way out of my league, uh, but he did. He ended up calling me and uh, we ended up talking on the phone. He was a business guy, so he, uh, you know, was always out of town. He was never, ever around. He was always out of town. But we talked on the phone, and I had this newfound freedom of I didn't, you know, my dad had a curt, like, one hour, that's it. You got to be off the phone. Well, my aunt and uncle could care less, and I would be on the phone with this guy all hours of the night talking, 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 and telling him everything about me. Um, wow. He was You a trusted him immediately. You trusted oh, him. I Definitely did. I definitely did. And and he poured on the charm, you know, and, and he painted the picture of what I always wanted. So he found out what I loved. And then he had all those things. And, you know, I can give you the big house. You know, I come from a very wealthy family and like all these different things. And so it was like, this is my dream, man. I mean, I ended up falling in love with him. Uh, and it, 
it didn't take very long to do that. And, and to have that person that I could talk to and we could have this special bond just between the two of us, you know, nobody else has to know about it. Just, just us. And I'll listen to you and I'll listen to how unfair your parents are. And I'll listen to how you had to leave and, you know, and the life that you've always wanted. Like, you know, he was there for me and I he did. He made you feel him. special. He made yeah, you feel absolutely. special, didn't he? Oh, he made me feel like a queen. Yeah, definitely. Gosh. And you were so young and impressionable back then. Mm -hmm. You're like, oh my gosh. I mean, this is like a fairy tale. I'm working. Handsome guy comes in, tells me he's going to fulfill all my dreams and wishes. You know, what's not to like? Yeah, exactly. And I was a virgin. <laughs> you know, I had uh, saved yeah. myself for marriage. So I told him that too. I, I told him, you know, that I've waited my whole life. I lost boyfriends in high school because I wouldn't sleep with them, you know, because I was waiting for my husband. And he would tell me, I'm going to be your husband. I'm oh going to be goodness. that guy. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So you were probably living on a high for a couple of months there thinking, oh, oh my yeah, gosh. This definitely. Is definitely. Well, then what happened? What happened next? So we had been talking for about three months and uh, he had called he, and he said, I got really good news. And I was super excited. He said, I'm coming back to town. And I was like, oh my gosh, finally. And he said, I have even better news. It's a big cocktail party. It's a big business affair. Uh, and my parents are going to be there. And as we talked throughout these three months, he would always talk about proposing to me. And he would always say, when I propose, it's going to blow your mind. You know, and um, I was even told him what kind of ring I would like. You know, we talked about things like this. And so he said, my mom and my my dad are coming with me and they're so excited to meet you. And I want you to look your very best. I want you, you know, to wear a nice dress and everything. And, and so I was super excited. He was coming back to town um, the following day. And that day I was getting ready and the phone rang and I grabbed it and it was him. And he goes, Hey baby, I'm sorry. Flights are delayed. I'm not going to make it there to pick you up myself, but my best friend bodyguards going to instead. Mm. And I, I stopped and I said, Oh, I don't, I don't know him. Like, I don't know who he is, you know? And he goes, don't you trust me? <laughs> oh boy. Mm -hmm. Oh boy. Talk about putting doubt in your mind. You're like, yeah, I guess I trust you. I yeah. Mean, I didn't even guess girl. I knew a hundred percent. I trusted him. I mean, I had talked to him for three months of my life. I had told him everything about me. We had discussed futures together. We had set plans together. Like I trusted him a hundred percent with my life. And so when he said that to me, I was like, yes, I do. I trust you. And so he, um, he's like, well, then you got to trust my friend. You gotta love him. He's, he's awesome. He's sweet. He's nice. And, uh, and so I was like, okay. And, uh, I went to the place that I was supposed to meet him mm -hmm. and there was only one other vehicle there. And when I got out, this guy gets out of the car and he is just as tall as he is wide. And so, I, you know, immediately thought he looks like a bodyguard. I even saw a gun on him and I thought, okay, he's a bodyguard because I was sheltered. I did not, yeah. I didn't know, you know, I didn't right. know what, what happened. Right. In Mississippi, stuff. in whatever year it was, how often do you see bodyguards running around? It's not Vegas. I mean, only you know? in the movies. You're like, this is not normal. <laughs> yeah. So it was in the movies. And, and when a person like that is painting this picture for you. And you think, wow, you're so special. You have bodyguards. Wow, I'm going to be your wife. I'm going to be beside you. You know, it's it's actually right. that that whole like prideful thing that you're like, yes, this is awesome. Yeah. And and so um, this guy blindfolded me, and I still was not scared. I was actually thinking at that time that when the blindfold came off, there was going to be Trek. That's what I call him in my book. There's going to be Trek standing right there. 
down on one knee proposing to me in front of this. So you had no question fence. when this man went to put a blindfold no. on you. You didn't think, no. was he like, hey, come here, I've got to do something? Or was he forceful when he was putting the blindfold on? No, he was not forceful at that time. No. Okay. Not at all. Okay. Okay. Not Just at asking. all. And that's why I felt like this was part of the proposal. That's really what I felt. Um, mm-hmm. And when the blindfold came off was when reality hit. Um, and we were in, out in front of a very dirty, dirty, rundown motel. Mm-hmm. And my stomach dropped. And that's when the forcefulness happened. And he forced me inside of the motel, the gun to my back, and mm-hmm. told me if I screamed or if I did anything, he'd kill me right then and there. That's terrifying. That's terrifying. Mm-hmm. So he forces you into the hotel. Yeah. Into a and motel. Able- honey. It wasn't. A, it wasn't a hotel. It was a motel. Hotel. I there's mean, a difference. You're right. There's no yeah, lobby. There's you walk into the parking lot. Yeah. Right. So, what happens if you can even talk about it when you go can, into the motel? I can definitely say that by gunpoint, some very horrific things happened to me. Um, I screamed that I'm, I'm a virgin. Please don't. Yeah. He didn't face. It didn't face him, of course, at all. Um, yeah. So that night after he was done with everything he did to me, uh, he put a gun to my head and he went to sleep with his arm over me and the gun at my head. And I laid there looking up at the ceiling and I had known God since I was a little girl. And I mm-hmm. remember just praying, please get me out of this. I mean, I didn't even know at that point if I was going to live through the next day. Um, and so I remember just praying and I prayed that he would not hurt me again or anymore. Um, mm-hmm. I prayed for that too. Mm-hmm. And the next, I, I passed out, I think from just exhaustion of everything that had happened to me. And when I yeah. woke up, I woke up to the smell of cigarette smoke. And that was one of my main triggers through life was cigarette smoke. Uh, I woke up, he was smoking a cigarette in the corner and I found like the sheet I wrapped around me and I stood up and I said, okay, well I have to go home now. And I remember the evil laugh that, that he laughed and he said, you're never going home again. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. And he had the gun and cigarette in his hand and, uh, and I looked at him and I said, oh, I have to go home because if I don't go home, my sister works for the highway patrol. And he rose up out of that chair and he glared at me and he said, did you tell Trek that your sister worked for the highway patrol? Meaning the man that initially baited you. Yes. This. Meaning the guy that, was- that lured me in. Yes. Right. The man that lured me in. Right. And I still had no idea where the heck he was, what had happened. And like my, my mind was just completely blown. Um, human trafficking wasn't even spoken of back then. Like, so I no, didn't know what was happening. Uh, and, and he said, did you tell Shrek that? And I said, no, I didn't. That's one thing I didn't tell him. And he went into this rage and started waving the gun. He went over, picked up the phone, was screaming in the phone, uh, slammed the phone down, was waving the gun all around. And I found the courage inside of myself to say, I'll come back. And he turned and looked at me and glared at me and he goes, what did you just say? And I said, I'll come back. 
I said, I know I have to go because my sister will figure all this out. I said, but I'll come back. And, um, and he looked at me and he said, you better, because if you don't, I know where your mom and dad work. I know where your grandparents live. I know every single detail that you told them. Mm-hmm. See, that's what Trek did is he got all that information yes. out of you in advance, didn't he? Yes. Yeah, because that, that, that was part of their threat to keep you there. They already knew everything. They had all the information they needed, except for that one piece about your sister. Yeah, my saving grace, my part that I didn't tell him that my sister worked with Highway Patrol. Why do you think you didn't be- didn't tell him that looking back? Like, I wonder why that wasn't part of what you revealed to him. Maybe it just because wasn't on the table at the time. It was, it was not part of my story. Right. You know, um, I... If I would have told Trek that, I feel like it would have got rid of him. I think, I really believe it would have got rid of him and he would have moved on to somebody else. Oh, wow. Wow. Okay. Okay. But because I withhold that information, uh, he thought that I was, there was no, because what I'll get into that a little bit, um, because I know you have some questions for me. Um, But yeah, it, it just was not part of my story. Okay. You know, I was too busy complaining about my parents and how unfair they were and telling them an about year old girl. Yeah, I'm a teenager. <laughs> you know, exactly. a teenager. I just need someone to hear me. Um, right. So he so he let me he allowed me to leave. He called a cab for me and he took a cab back to my car. I got in my car, I just started to cry, cry, cry. And I went to the hospital. I was gonna go to the area where the rape victims go and um I could hear him. I'll kill all of you. I'll kill all of you. I could hear it in my head. And so I ended up going to the nursery where the babies were born. And I was sitting there and this lady walked by and she said, uh, are you okay? And I knew I, I had blood all over me. I was bruised up. Like I know I did not look okay. And I just right. looked at her and I said, yeah, I'm fine. And she just went about her own way. And uh, I ended, I left there and ended up going to a friend of mine's house I snuck in her back door. I went into her bathroom to take a shower. Um, she let me spend the night there. She had no idea, no clue what had happened. Now she did know I had a boyfriend and she did know I was supposed to go to a big party that night. Mm-hmm. So she didn't, she didn't question anything. Um, but I ended up going there. And then from there I ended up going back to Mississippi to my home. And when I was in Mississippi, um, my dad, you know, he was like, if you leave, you don't come back, you know, and I had, I had to beg him. I was like, daddy, please let me just stay here, please. This is without telling them what had happened to. Oh, no. Yeah. There's no way. Right, right. Yeah. There's no way. I, I wasn't telling anybody. I didn't even tell my friend that I was staying with. I didn't tell a soul. Um, and so I tried to go back to life as normal. I tried to act like it didn't happen. And uh, I started working at a grocery store in Nannian and I had, been staying at, you know, nannying at this people's house because I was so afraid that they were going to get me at my house because they knew where my house was, but they didn't know where this nanny house was that I was staying with. But I went back to my house. It had been about a week and I walked in the door and my dad said to me, baby, you've got to get your friends to quit calling here and hanging up. I'm tired of it. And I just felt sick to my stomach because I you knew, knew who it was. I knew, knew exactly who it was. And I no more got through the door and the phone rang again. And I was like, daddy, I'll get it. I'll get it. And I picked up the phone and the voice in their, in their end said, you think I'm playing with you, baby girl. I'm about to kill every single one of y'all. And I said, please, no, please, please. Because you said you'd come back. And I said, well, I thought you were going to let me know when. Like, I didn't know. I thought you were going to let me know when. And so that was one of the things that beat me up inside for the longest time was the fact that I went back. 
I went back a second time. You were afraid of what he was going to do to everybody else. Absolutely, yes. Right. How long were you gone when you were able to get out and convince him to let you go? How long were you out? Do you recall? Okay. A week, right. a week I stayed in uh, Mississippi at my mom and dad's and I nannied. It was about a week. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so I went back and you'll have to read the book to find out what happens next. But I, I was able to escape twice. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I've heard her story on how she was able to get out the second time. But you guys will have to follow her and read her book to find out how she did it. So, um, but tell me this. When you did have to go back, Jody, how did you feel? Like, what were those? Do you remember what those moments were like? I mean, did you feel like you were walking to death's door when you had to go back because you were trying to protect everybody else around you? I felt like I was on a mission. I felt like something inside of me had snapped and was very different. And I was going to get out of that situation but I needed to make sure that my family was safe in the process. But I, I no longer felt like a little girl that was sheltered. I felt like a woman on a mission. And you still are a woman on a mission. Yeah. actually. I'm very really? much more now than I was then because I was still a kid. I was still a kid. Yeah. Um, but I had, my innocence was taken from me. Something was taken from me that I held precious. And so that whole, I'm holding on, to all of this is special. It, it, it wasn't special anymore. It wasn't, that was not the case anymore. Um, they had ruined it. Been, yeah. They had ruined everything about being a young girl. Ruined it all. They took every bit of my innocence, or he did. He took every bit of my innocence. He did. You know? Yes. Um, how did you recover? When, you're, when you were able to GTFO, you know, the second time when that happened, after that happened, what were those next years like for you? I will be honest. They were pure hell. Absolute pure hell. Uh, I was paralyzed in my mindset. I was paralyzed in my body. I, I would not like, you have to read the book because I'm trying not to give it away. But yeah, um, give the book away, yeah. I will say, I will say this little bit. I was on the run. I was on the run. Uh, so I was just trying to survive in whatever way I could survive. Um, but I still lived with the fear that they were after me 24 seven. So there was constant turmoil in my life, constant, um, you know, if I go to the store and I would smell cigarette smoke, I would freak out. I would totally, I mean, it was just evil was all around me and I could not escape it. That had to be terrifying because that is, that's damaging clearly the paranoia that you're experiencing had to be out of control because it was ingrained fear at that point, you know, I mean, how would you know who to trust? I, I mean, I would feel completely lost. So I can only imagine. Yeah, absolutely. And I didn't know who to trust. I mean, I couldn't even, I called my mom from pay phones and I would say, if anybody calls the house, you need to tell them that I left the country on a mission trip. You need to tell them I'm not around. My mom had no idea what was happening. And she just said, okay, my mom did not know what had happened to me until she read my book in 2018. Oh my and goodness. she said, all of it makes sense now. But I had begged her not to, I just, I can't say, and I don't want to say. And she never pushed it. She never did push it. My dad went to heaven not knowing, which I think is sad. That Sorry, he did. I didn't know he passed. Yeah. yeah, he passed in 2007, which I talk about in my second book. You talk about 
downward spiral even more. Um, anger, just so much anger inside of me. Um, but yeah, that's when my mom found out. That's when my husband found out of of 10 years, (laughs) found out through my book, my aunts, my uncles, everybody found out through my book, best friends of decades found out through my book. It was the easiest way for me to tell what had happened and being a high school dropout, I never thought I would ever write a book. Uh, but when God kept waking me up at three o'clock and he's like, it's time for you to tell your story. I'm like, yeah. oh no, <laughs> oh no, you, I'm happy. Oh no, and I and girl, I you had, had to like, tell the story. Yeah, you like, had no, to tell it. Yeah, and it was like a spiritual spanking because he's like, you know, it's not about you; it's about who needs to hear it. And I thought, wow, it's not about me. Like that's powerful. And uh, and so I ended up writing three books in two weeks. One big, huge book, but my editor said, we got to split this thing up. And so that's why the first one released so fast um, was because I wanted to make sure that it got out right away. Good for you. Good for you. And it, it's like birthing a baby, writing a book. So mm-hmm. that's, no, that's no joke. That, that's a lot of work. A lot of blood, sweat, and tears put into that. So, and now you have two. You have your second one coming out. Yes. The second one is Breakout Silent Center. And... Um, so when the first one released, I felt like the second one would come out right behind it because it has a cliffhanger. And uh, and everyone is like, where is the second one? And um, last year, I went through a lot of pruning and a lot of just taking time and being with God, and it wasn't the right timing. And so I know the right timing now is for it to come out in the summer of this year, uh, 2020. And, uh, and so it's all of my skeletons. I mean, it is everything I went through because I want people to know they're not alone. I want them to know that they're not isolated and I want them to know that God loves you no matter what you go through. Right. Right. That's a beautiful message too, Jody, because people need to know. Yeah. Like they at the top of the podcast, I was talking about, I couldn't find anything on survivors. Is this why no one wants to talk about it? Oh. And you're the one who's like in front of it now saying, no, hell yeah, we're going to talk about this stuff. Yeah, you know, um, I've had people reach out to me that have also escaped human trafficking and their stories are horrific, horrific that were actually trafficked. Um, And I feel like in time more people will step up, but I feel like in order for you to do this, you have to have God's army all around you. And that is what I stand on. And um and it's not something easily for anyone to even talk about. Even if you help with a nonprofit that deals with human trafficking, it is not something that those victims want to talk about. It is not something that they want to discuss. Mm-hmm. Um, although a lot of them I do talk to always tell me, yeah, that's exactly how I was lured in. Yeah, that's exactly what happened to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're, you're right. The woman who introduced us um, is one of my clients. Yeah, I'm confident mm-hmm. coaching her. And she does not want to talk about it, does not. And I respect it. So I, I kind of have an idea now of, you know, why. So I'm proud of you for speaking up about all of this. Um, Jody. what do you think the public needs to know about human trafficking? What do you think they need to know that they're not hearing about now? It's all around you. It, it really is all around you. It, and you can't, it's sad to say, but you can't just trust people. You know, I always pray for discernment in everything I do. 
um, because you don't know who you can trust and who you can't trust. Um, there was an article that broke that it was like a police officer, a doctor, uh, you know, just people, everyday people that you would never think was in it because, you know, there's, mm. there's, it's a billion dollar business. I mean, next yeah. to drugs, it's the top illegal business that there is. Uh, so my main thing would be is that just be very aware of your surroundings and be very aware if something doesn't feel right, go with that gut feeling that it's not right because it's so much easier for them now through technology. Um, you know, oh goodness, when it happened to me, it was a post-it note. You know, nowadays it's technology. <laughs> you can put a picture up there and be anybody you want to be. So yeah, it's to have awareness. That's a great message. I love that contrast from a post-it note to the internet. Mm-hmm. Because you're right, Jody. it is so much easier today. And there's so many kids on those sites who don't know yes. about these yes. predators and how dangerous it really is. Yeah, so. absolutely. Make sure, you know, kids, and I, I know as a teenager, I was like, oh my gosh, helicopter parents, be a helicopter parent. I'm absolutely being a hundred percent real with you. Be a helicopter yep. parent because they will come through video sites and pretend to be kids. Um, yeah, there know. was a, a case that happened uh, that they reached out to me and their son was playing a video game and, you know, they have no idea that you know, he was talking to this guy. He just left a note, said, I'm going to New York. I got an apartment and money waiting for me. I love you. I'm going to call you as soon as I get there. Never heard from him again. It's so important that parents know. And it's so important for parents to tell their kids and even their teenagers, if you're talking to somebody, tell them we have a good relationship. Say, right. you know, oh, I can't wait to tell my mom about you. I can't wait to tell my right. dad about That's you. great advice. Yeah, because then they're going to be like, oh, wait, hold up. Because they're going for the wounded and the weak. They're going for the ones that don't feel loved. They're going for the ones, you know, even though I grew up in a very sheltered, loving, loving, loving home, there was that rebellious side to me that wanted to experience what everybody else was getting experience and I didn't get to. And it Mm -hmm. put me in a world of evil. So make sure that when you talk to your kids or your teenagers, that you explain that, that just because they have a Louis Vuitton purse or Christian Louis Vuitton shoes, what is that worth to you? Because right. a lot of people get in those situations, and if they could go back and change things, then they would. Right, right, exactly, exactly. The Louis Vuitton or the Christian Louboutin shoes do not validate anything. No, no. And you're making me think of something else, and that's that it, in my research, I mean, it doesn't, this isn't just about women. It's women, it's men, it's all ethnicities. Oh, yeah, it's boys, all women, yes, yes. Yeah, um, it, and that really shocked me because I didn't think about all the dark corners of it, but they're there. They're there. It'll make you pure sick when you see the ages. I know. I know. It's all ages. Yep. That again, age doesn't discriminate in this situation. So no. And it's even more sickening because parents are selling their kids. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's a whole other podcast right there. Seriously. That's a whole other podcast. Mm -hmm. Well, we're going to wrap up, but I, before we do, I want to ask you how people can get connected with you. How can people find you if they want to buy your book, if they want you to speak, if they want to listen to your podcast? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for that, Holly. Um, so my website is Jody, J-O-D-Y, par, P-A-A-R, dot com. And I do coaching. I do breakout coaching um, for you to live the life you've always wanted to live and to be able to break the silence, even if it's just with me. It's so important to get it out and break that silence. Um, also, you can find me on social media. I'm under the Jody Parr on Instagram, uh, Jody Parr on Facebook, 
Uh, I'm on Twitter, but I don't tweet. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a Twittery person either. It's, it's all right. I'm not right. thinking of that, but I am on YouTube under Jody Parr also. Yes. Yeah. I saw um, some of your YouTube podcasts. So it was good to see more of your story on there. You can find her there too. Um, all right, guys. Thank you for listening, Jody. Thank you so much for sharing your GTFO story. I'm really yeah. proud of you. And you sound like a model for other people who need to do the same. Thank you so much, Holly. I appreciate you. Thank you. All right, guys. That's a wrap. Everyone have a great day. Thanks, Jody. Thanks. Thank you for joining me today on the GTFO podcast. This is Holly Kaplan. To connect with me for confidence coaching or speaking engagements, please connect with me at hollykaplan.com or find me on Instagram at GTFO underscore podcast. Thanks. <laughs>